U.S. life insurance companies have reported an overwhelming and unexplainable increase in all-cause deaths among 18 to 49-year-olds. Along with that, there's also been an increase in certain medical diagnoses, such as miscarriages and Bell's palsy. Well, when I first started seeing these, this, these strange anomalies in the blood, it's just there's something different about the blood. All of these people that are dying, doesn't matter what they died of, they were having this unique, uh, there's this unique change in the blood. I feel as though I am seeing something that could be causing their death. No one will see what I see. So in the very beginning, I'm thinking, okay, so COVID could have caused this possibly, but now I'm seeing these in people that supposedly never had COVID. And then you find out they were vaccinated. And so it's like, okay, so it's the vaccine might be causing this. Of then we're injecting them in little kids' arms. An 18-year-old health worker has developed blood clots after a controversial piece of equipment. Just days after getting their second COVID-19 vaccine, two teenage boys died in their sleep. Oh, my God! A nine-year-old went to sleep in Eagle Mountain and never woke up. Little cheerleader who died suddenly. Who knows? Young people are dying. Is this? You know, Matt and I right. are constantly talking about Malthusian theory. Malthusian yeah. theory. Yes, I know. I'm sure I, you I, are. I, I, it says it on one of the coffee cups <laughs> I was given. You know, when I graduated, when I was at junior college, Chabot Junior College, we finished a, a history uh, course, and the professor wrote up, you need to learn this word. He wrote up the word triage, which represented, I was told, the concept that eventually the world will have too many people in it mm. in order to subsist on its own. And that stuck with me for a long time, and that's what Inferno is about. A, the, the quantum physics of overpopulation in, a, in an instant, they could be too many people on the planet Earth, and actually the math does add up. Just give us a 20-second definition of Malthusian theory, which there is amazing. Go. Well, that's, that's what I'm built for. I, Thomas Robert Malthus, have merely done you the service of stating the obvious, that the demographics of our situation equal death. Reverend Thomas Robert Malthus was a British demographer of the late 1700s and was the first to popularize the idea that there's simply too many people using up too much resources. How many cars, stereos, fancy bars? How many people could the world support? Well, it depends. It's a sliding scale. Malthusian ideology is often summarized in the following graph. Very simple graphs which project what's going to happen to the planet over the next 150 years if we don't do something drastic to stop it. It's an ideology, an eschatology. Here we can see a chart that looks at the total world population over the last several hundred years. And at first glance, this is a bit scary. And it spawned a new genre of fear that lasted for generations. The fear of overpopulation. You have to get the death rate and birth rate in balance. And there's only two ways to do it. One is to bring the birth rate down. The other is to push the death rate up. If we do not, by humane means, limit our numbers, then numbers are going to be limited by more famines and shortages. It's reaching plague proportion. No intelligent, patriotic American family 
uh, ought to have more than two children, preferably one. Maybe anybody who's thinking of having a third child ought to go hungry a week. So should we have policies that penalize people for having extra kids in the developed world? So I do think that we should at least consider it. And this is where people start getting nervous talking about overpopulation and population issues because they're scared that I'm going to take away their rights to have children. It's the belief in a coming apocalypse and that it is you and I who are ushering it in. We're even running out of sand, which may not seem important, but without it, you can't make concrete or glass, like for windows, so you can look outside and see the world ending. Now, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. Well, common sense would tell you if you have a man standing in front of you saying he's going to reduce the world's population by 10 or 15 percent using vaccines, what does that mean to you? It means somebody's going to die because you put a vaccine in them. It doesn't mean you're going to save people. Uh, that's pretty much common sense in my brain. And, but yet I saw him, I saw him say it, he said it, uh, and here we are. I don't know. I, I'm just, here we are. I'm now an anti-vaxxer. I wasn't before. Uh, from what I've learned here with this and seeing what I've seen, not just in the funeral home, but, you know, what everybody else has had an opportunity to see, uh, I, I don't want to take any vaccine uh, because I don't trust the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, I, I just buried someone recently who, who died suddenly, wasn't sick, uh, person in their 60s, uh, but otherwise was not sick. And uh, I met with the family, and uh, that was my first question was, what happened to him? Somebody mentioned to go onto Google and then type in died suddenly and find the news articles that would pop up. And lo and behold, here's a whole listing of people, of articles, of people within the, that last week who died suddenly, younger people, older people, but a lot of younger people throughout, around the world. Famous people, athletes have just dropped dead without explanation. And it's like, it's no big deal. It's like, we just don't know. Uh, it happens, but no, it's, it's not happened. It's never happened like this until now. My phone goes over and trying to make sure I don't miss something. I'm hoping, hoping that uh, we can get one of those important calls. See, this is both from the carotid and veins. Oh, look how thick that thing is. It's like the alien. <laughs> Very similar. It came out, of, apparently I've got some of that's from a carotid artery and also some veins. So, Whoa. back around November of last year, of 2021, people were asking me, well, how many people are having these strange clots? And I didn't have a very good answer for it. So in starting in November, I started making notations of whether or not the person was um, clotted or not or vaccinated. My green is people that I've been verified are vaccinated. 
Yellow typically is somebody that has smaller clots and the orange is somebody that had more significant clots, the clots that are uh, really kind of concerning to me. I have it dated for the quarter, I mean numbered by the quarter, so the entire quarter I had about 130. Yeah, only almost 14% had no significant clotting. Um, a lot of the substances that I'm seeing are stuff that looks pretty much, it's this white fibrous stuff. Now instead of calling them blood clots, I try to refer to them as white fibrous clots or white fibrous structures. How come all of a sudden these things are happening in so many people? When I first started seeing these strange uh, clots, uh, in the beginning I thought, you know, this is kind of weird, it's kind of crazy, I, I don't understand. As I started gathering more and more photographs, I'm able to share it amongst other people that I work with. I talk to other embalmers that have 30, 40, even 50 years of experience. I'm a licensed funeral director, National Board Funeral Director and Certified Embalmer. Um, I've been in the death care industry since uh, 1982. I've been embalming, been in the embalming process with well over a thousand bodies. And I had actually noticed some of the difference in the clots as well in some of the bodies I had been embalming. And that had started recently. First time, first time I saw it firsthand, pulled out of a deceased, my end was about three months ago. Been struggling to embalm people for around about 18 months. My embalmer was complaining that he was getting, having trouble getting fluid through people. And the way they do that is they cut into the um, carotid artery and they pump it around the body via a pump. He was struggling to get it through and we kind of thought, well, maybe the pump wanted servicing and had a look at it, it doesn't. Pulled this out and he kind of grabbed the end of the tweezers and this comes out in one piece, one elastic piece. It, it looks like um, calamari. Longest one that I have on video is probably almost three foot long, which is incredible to come out of the you know, the juggler up here, it's just, it's incredible. That is not normal. I talked to other embalmers that have 30, 40, even 50 years of experience, said, hey, you know, have you guys ever seen this stuff before? And the answer was always, I, I haven't seen clots like these, uh, these long, white, fibrous, different, not blood clots, but they're, they're clotting the blood, so therefore you have to call it a clot. I have been in this profession actually for approximately 12 years and approximately two to 250 bodies per year, and I have never seen anything like this until the vaccination. Now I've been in Obama for 41 years, 41 years I've been in Obama and I've never seen clots like these. Here's a guy messaged me the other day he even sent me a picture. Uh, and a fellow embalmer? This is not mine, this is his. Same stuff. You see that? You know, we know something's going on. Um, I, I deal with a lot of funeral directors and embalmers. Um, I attend national conventions, state conventions. I'm very involved. And, you know, we know something different is going on. We don't know exactly what's going on, but the timing of it um, is just hand in hand. We're connecting dots here. 
Um, and it certainly appears that there is some relationship to the vaccine and these um, obstructions that we're seeing. I was in Ohio last week or the week before last, and there were 100 embalmers at the Ohio Embalmers Association in my lecture. And I, I, I posed these photos up where people could see them. And nearly all of the embalmers out of 100 in this room raised their hands that uh, they had seen uh, clots and white fibrin structures of, of, of that kind of size. And when I ask again, when did they start seeing them? Again, it's uh, that 16 to 18 month period. This is different. This is, and they need to figure out what it is. That's the problem is they need to figure out. That's why we're, 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 tell, we're talking to you is that we're concerned for humanity. Once I knew what was happening, I'm a man of principle. Do you know your family's just as important as mine? Why, why, if I, and if I don't speak out, we're all anyway. As a Canadian embalmer, I have found that everybody I embalmed for over a year had fibrous mass clots. The fiber mass clots had been fed by blood clots at the ends that were integrated into the fiber mass clots. The fiber mass clots themselves were not blood clots. On average, I would embalm a body every day or two. Every single body had them, and they were massive. When I was talking to, to uh, Dr. Ken Thorpe, he was more concerned about the real tiny clots that he called microclots. And when I asked him about microclots, I was like, let me, let me explain. Sometimes when I'm seeing the blood, it looks like the blood is dirty. Almost like it has little fine grains of sand or almost like fine grains of coffee grounds. The reason why he's more concerned about those is because they will go undetected and they can get lodged up in capillaries and end up slowly starving organs of, of the oxygen that it needs. Um, so what I did, I did is I captured some blood that looked dirty. It's clouding it up, but see, I wanted you to see the specks that are floating around. There we go. It looks like rust. It does. Look at, look at, like, see, you can almost see that they're like stringy looking. The first time I seen something that what I would describe as a different type of blood than I had ever seen, consistency of blood, was on a younger lady that was in a, a car accident. And I noticed onto the table as we were getting a little bit of drainage from her that her blood looked as if it was. The only way to describe it is blood on beach sand. It was sticking to the table. I began noticing um, strange things with the blood, looking like it had coffee grinds or sand in it, to complete separation, like a clear orangish fluid, and then clots coming later, like the blood had almost separated. And of course, then there are the fibrin structures that we get. And it doesn't matter if it's a young or old person.
I'd like you to kind of feel Yeah, you can kind of hold it's on. It's like to a rubber it. band almost. Yeah, like a rubber band or like calamari. So of course that explains people stroking out, like. And that was my concern in the very beginning of all this. The whole thing was as I'm seeing all of these strange clots, I'm hearing stories of of blood clots and and embolisms and and sudden heart attacks. Scientists say there has been an increased rise, a sharp rise in unexplained deaths during the pandemic. Deaths that are not listed as COVID related. I would just like to find answers because so many people, young, young people are just dropping dead. There were two in the local paper today out of Lafayette, Indiana, and I question, how did they die? Autopsies are not being done and performed um, as often and as frequent as they had been done in the past. You know, there's no way that um, that type of obstruction would not um, cause stroke, heart failure, um, some type of pulmonary embolism um, that would certainly take someone out. Now, most of the people are not autopsied. Therefore, no one will see what I see. And that's why what we see back there, people need to know. They, they, nobody will know unless we tell them what we're seeing because it happens and then you have a visitation and a burial and it's over. I feel as though I am seeing something that could be causing their death and the dead can't speak for themselves, so therefore, the only way to bring this forward is, is like, I have to speak for them. Since the vaccine, this rubbery stuff, this, this stuff here is absolutely... No, hold on, I don't know who this is. Hello? Yes. Okay. I'll be there as soon as I can. Um, I'll be there as soon as I can. I'll give you a call shortly. All right. Bye. Okay. Well, it looks like I got to go to work. So maybe you guys can come with me and uh, we can talk along the way. Um, I've been trying to warm people up to the idea of doing it. Um, so maybe we just go ahead and try to go up there and I'll give them a call as we're on our way and see what they say. Good morning. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long and I've been invited here today to testify to the truth before the legislators of Idaho. The information I'm presenting is made as a protected communication under Title 10 USC 1034 as a whistleblower. My opinions are my own and do not reflect that of the United States Army, the DOD, or any entity thereof. Insurance companies figured that if there was something 
catastrophic that happened to the United States, they would see a 10% increase in all-cause morbidity mortality. 10% for just like an unprecedented catastrophic you know, natural event or something that happened in the United States. U.S. life insurance companies have reported an overwhelming and unexplainable increase in all-cause deaths among 18 to 49-year-olds. 40% is, no one's even, no one's even calculated that. I mean, that, that's never been uh, factored into what things would look like. It's apocalyptic. In my 15 years as a doctor taking care of soldiers, I have never seen this litany of debilitating and potentially deadly medical conditions in soldiers. These conditions included strokes, transit ischemic attacks, pericarditis, myocarditis, erratic heart rates, arrhythmias, rapid onset and progression of various cancers to include testicular cancer, esophageal cancer, brain tumors, neuroendocrine tumors, spinal tumors, thyroid dysfunction, multiple sclerosis, cognitive impairment, persistent severe insomnia, suppression of the immune system, unprovoked blood clots in the splenic and portal vein, avascular necrosis, liver dysfunction, menstrual irregularities, and miscarriages. Well, I think if you look at the 5.3.6 post-marketing analysis report, the 1,291 adverse events, I don't think those came as diagnostic tests. I think they came as confirmatory tests. You ordered a product, you wanted the product to kill people. Hey, stockholders, we got exactly what you ordered. Fourth shot, Borla, of the CEO of Pfizer. Good yes. for CVS, good for Walmart, good for your health. When I reached out to Army Public Health Command and numerous senior medical and operational leaders about my safety concerns, I was ignored. Threats against my career were made, but no appropriate actions were taken to fully investigate the number and scope of adverse medical events after COVID vaccines. What I was here today to speak about truly was the weaponization of public health. Oh, I forgot to mention, I'm also a whistleblower. <laughs> That's my... That person, that person right there called me one day. I called her, I can't remember, it was an email. And she said, have you seen the DMED system? Uh, have you seen what it's up? And I'm like, I'm working on the border. I'm trying to stop 12,000 people from coming across this border a week. And she said, well, take a look at it. Seeing the DMED data, I have, I have significant concerns that we won't have a standing army in five years. Case 1-01, United States Air Force A-10 instructor pilot, mid-30-year-old male, hospitalized 12 hours after vaccination. Diagnosed with pericarditis anaphylaxis, removed from flight status for six months, thus negatively impacting unit mission readiness. I have never felt so abandoned by the military. I have been forced to take something that brought me close to my death. I was mocked, discredited, unsupported. Our squad and morale was ripped to shreds. All these things were completely unnecessary. We are truly less ready on multiple levels. I had to talk to a wife of a soldier that had a stroke, which required speech rehab for several months, and talk to her while he was in the ICU, and say to her, he's gonna be okay, and he'll be able to serve again, because this is what he loved to do. Back in September 2021, I submitted an affidavit in the Robert V. Austin case in which I outlined how the DOD was violating its own risk management process in their push to mandate the vaccine of every member of the armed forces with an experimental vaccine. 
After my testimony was made public, the DOD made no effort to investigate my safety concerns. I got contacted by attorney Tom Renz over the weekend, who represents some whistleblowers within the Department of Defense. I have declarations from all three. The state is under penalty. Uh, this is under penalty of perjury. We intend to submit this to the courts. Uh, we have substantial data showing that uh, we saw, for example, uh, miscarriages increased by 300% over the five-year average, almost. Uh, we saw almost 300% increase in cancer over the five-year average. Cancer is not being talked about except for by Dr. Ryan Cole. Thank you, doctor. I was the first pathologist in the world to say, guys, we're seeing an uptick in, in, in cancers. That toxic spike protein has so many mechanisms that allow cancers to wake up and certain uh, cancer genes that it binds to and promotes mechanisms. Everywhere I go, radiologists, interventional radiologists, oncologists, cancer surgeons like I met today, cancer, 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 30-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 40-year-olds, reactivated or second shot, third shot, month later, breast cancer, stage four everywhere. Uh, we saw, this one's amazing, neurological. So f neurological issues which would affect our pilots, over a thousand percent increase, a thousand. Uh, ten, ten times, that's ten times rate and obviously that resonates. 83,000, 82,000 per year to 863,000 in one year. Our soldiers are being experimented on, injured, and sometimes possibly killed. Uh, Senator Johnson looked in the camera and said, The Department of Defense, the Biden administration is on notice. They must preserve these records and this must be investigated. And uh, within 24 hours, that system that is run by the Defense Health Agency was shut down. This is the bottom line up front. This is the weaponization of our health care system. These are done in acts by legislators. These all started a long time ago. Some could say in biblical times with good and evil. If we think that they're not nefarious actors in the world, people that work for principalities and, and dark places, if we think that, we're fooling ourselves, right? Because that's where we're at. 1974, Henry Kissinger put out a paper that said we need to decrease the world population. And that's when the globalists kicked in. We've got to stabilize the population. When I was born, no, there were So what's wrong with the population? I mean... With too many people. That's, what, that's why we have global warming. We have global warming because too many people are using too much stuff. Our book, Limits to Growth, was the first concrete effort using a computer to look at trends that unfold over decades, even a century. We were trying to understand long-term physical demands on the planet. And in the 70s, we were thinking that probably in the period 2010 to 2030 was when the planet would start to encounter limits. Here is what Dr. Meadows' computer shows. Since the year 1900, the Earth's resources there at the top of the chart have been steadily used up as population, food consumption, and production of goods have soared. Ahead of us, sometime after the year 2000, this computer study foresees calamity. Resources drop more steeply, and food and production follow suit. Population continues to expand for perhaps one more generation, then collapses calamitously as deprivation takes hold. Now, 11 billion people still a lot, but the good news is that the faster we improve health, the faster family size goes down. The World Economic Forum 
You have Klaus Schwab and George Soros and Bill Gates. They talk about depopulation. They talk about um, all of these kind of utopic ideas that they have. The United Nations Sustainable Development Goals are 17 targets we must meet by 2030 to ensure decent lives for all on a healthy planet. Right now, it's expected we will fail. One reason for that is the growth in our global population. We have a golden opportunity to seize something good from this crisis. COVID-19 also helped legitimize instruments of control. It's a deep, systemic and structural restructuring of our world. Therefore, we have a unique but rapidly shrinking window of opportunity to learn lessons and reset ourselves on a more sustainable path. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. Also be clear, the future is not just happening. The future is built by us. Those people definitely have had tremendous influence and sway in this whole thing. And that is why they seemingly know how to hold these events and almost perfectly predict what's going to happen. The Event 201 scenario is fictional, but it's based on public health principles, epidemiologic modeling, and assessment of past outbreaks. An outbreak that circles the globe and affects people everywhere. In other words, we've created a pandemic that could realistically occur. I know we would all agree that if we had a vaccine in hand for CAPS, it'd be a game changer. A majority of Americans expect a vaccine to be available within two months, and 65% of those polled are eager to take the vaccine, even if it's experimental. Vaccinate, vaccinate, make an appointment. Vaccinate, vaccinate, make an appointment. I got the vaccine up inside my Got that vaccine up inside my life. Will we get our dose? Just please hurry. I got nothing. And go mind vaccine. Trust in your healthcare. Time for us to trust and not debate. The vaccine, believe it's safe to take. Because you are in a war, because this is a fifth generation warfare for your hearts and your minds, it's done mostly by digits, right, through the computer and those kind of things, but it's also done with adjunct weaponry, and this adjunct weaponry in this case is a COVID jab. They don't want you to know that your body is now their property and playground, and they will do with you what they feel like doing to you, and they will destroy your life if you don't take a lethal needle in your arm. And it is, it's the new bullet, it's the new missile, it's the new form of warfare. You don't need to fire a bullet and win a war. I wanted people to understand that we're in a fifth generation warfare. Fifth generation is for the heart and the mind. The United States government has been engaged in psychological operations on its own citizens for over 60 years. MK Ultra and Operation Mockingbird are just two of the declassified programs designed to manipulate the minds of Americans and the world. 
The majority of these operations occur in plain sight. With the purpose of gaslighting and undermining those who seek the truth and pose a threat to the agenda of the global elite. Just kidding, you conspiracy theorists. The government would never lie to you. Read my lips. Uh, we got a call regarding you coming over here multiple times and it seems like they don't want to talk to you. Uh, well, now it seems that way because she, she called the police on me. Okay. You should always be suspicious if the people in charge of safety don't want to see the safety data. That should be a red flag. I couldn't understand why people aren't looking at this data. Even the clinical trial for the Pfizer vaccine showed that the vaccine killed more people than the placebo group. It's supposed to be the other way around. So what, what's your name? My name is Steve Kirsch. Steve Kirsch? Yes. Okay. Where do you work? What do you work for? I, I, I'm a journalist for Substack. Substack? Yeah. Okay. I have about uh, close to a million followers on Substack. So I've been called a um, an anti-vaxxer, I've been called a misinformation spreader, MIT has labeled me a misinformation super spreader. And in fact, if you go Google, you type in misinformation super spreader, I'm the top hit in the entire world. Why am I labeled a misinformation super spreader? I have no history at all of being a conspiracy theorist how do I go from being, hey, you should get vaccinated, waving the flag, to, I love Tony Fauci, to saying, oh, wow, <laughs> we've been lied to. How did that happen? I was vaccinated in March of 2021. My wife was vaccinated and all my kids were vaccinated. So you couldn't call me an anti-vaxxer. I've always gotten all these vaccines that the government has recommended. I've always trusted the government. And then I started hearing stories from my friends. So one person said that she asked me if the vaccines were safe. And I said, of course they're safe. And, and I said, why are you asking me this question? I mean, like, you know, have you not turned on the news? Like, where have you been? She said, well, three of my relatives were vaccinated and they died a week later and they were all perfectly healthy before they got the vaccine. And I said, well, that's impossible. That must be wrong. And, and, and like, and, and then she replied, um, yeah, but they're dead. Is it really safe and is it really effective? These vaccines are safe. They are incredibly effective. Vaccines are safe and effective. Getting a booster different from your original vaccination is likely safe and effective. But if there's one message it needs to cut through all this. The vaccines are safe. I promise you, they are safe and effective. Researchers have confirmed that the Oxford AstraZeneca COVID vaccine is safe and effective. This is... What? 
Surprisingly, most people don't want to know what's in the vaccines. In fact, nobody wants to know what's in the vaccines because nobody in Congress is asking to analyze the virus. Nobody in the mainstream media has ever asked what's in the vials. And the public doesn't want to know either because the public's not asking what's in these vaccines. If people understood what was in the vaccine, they'd go apeshit. Uh, the first one is a typical um, package insert that we see with any vaccine. When you open the box, next to the vial you find a package insert that um, has information about what the product contains. And um, this is a typical vaccine insert from a, um, a vaccine that helps protect against meningitis. It's a more traditional childhood vaccine. And the other label that I'm going to show you, the other package insert, came from a box of mRNA product. So vaccine that was um, brought to the clinic for the purpose of giving that to children. And this should look the same as the other package insert that I showed you. But yet when we open it almost two years into this, we find that it still says intentionally blank. And it, I mean, they're, they're allowed to, under emergency authorization, put anything in them they want. And the FDA isn't inspecting any of these facilities. The European Medicine Agency allowed the purity to go from 100% requirement down to 50%. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the shot rollouts, you hear, oh, okay, we don't have to worry about this cold chain. So now you've got degrading products, which probably benefited some people in the sense that they broke down so fast that they got basically some mushy fat and sludge and dodged the bullet. But the ones who got the proper dose at the proper temperature are probably the ones that got harmed the most. I mean, how much do they care? They're making billions. The mRNA was the technology, but we had less experience, only two years working on this. And actually, mRNA was a technology that never delivered a single product until that day. Uh, not vaccine, not any other medicine. So, uh, so it was very counterintuitive, and I was surprised when they suggested to me that this is the way to go. You know, Steve Kirst, by the way, has a great offer out there for your listeners. I don't know if you know about this. No. His offer is anybody from any major academic medical center or any government agency who will come to the table and have a fair discussion on vaccine safety and efficacy. He'll pay him $2 million. Anybody? I offered a million dollars, not, not to win the debate, just to come to the table, a million dollars. And when they refused the million dollars, I said, okay, name your price. Is 5 million, 10 million, 100 million? What will it take for us to have a civil di a discussion on the record, on the record, on recorded, where we can go through the evidence in the various system and other pieces of data so that we can have an open discussion about this. So the VARES is a voluntary reporting system. And it was created this way because the drug companies negotiated with the government to say, the government said, we will give you liability protection for your vaccines. But the quid pro quo is that we're gonna establish this vaccine adverse event reporting system, which of course they could have done anyway. We have a VAERS system in the United States. The system in Israel was even worse. In March, 
these researchers came to the Israeli Ministry of Health and said, hey, we got a problem here. Basically, they're told that the vaccines are killing and hurting people, and you're withholding that information from the Israeli people. So the latest Israeli vaccination studies are out, and Steve Kirsch says the results prove that the government was lying all along about the frequency of adverse events from COVID shots. Shocker. I sent an email to over 200, close to 300 people at the CDC asking if any of them wanted to see the data. Okay. Almost 300 people. Not a single person wanted to see the data at the CDC. Stu, I have the personal cell phone for Grace Lee, who is the chair of the ACIP committee, which is the outside committee of the CDC. I asked if she wanted to see the data. She ignored me. Did they explicitly tell you no, or did they just ignore no. you? No, they just ignore me. Have you been in this house before? Um, I have, yeah. And for the same reason? Yeah, so let her to, to contact her. Because she's not reachable. She's not reachable in her office. She doesn't answer her cell phone. She says her assistant doesn't answer, doesn't answer her email. That committee is responsible for approving and being the outside independent source for approving these vaccines. How, how did ACIP recently come to the decision to recommend COVID-19 shots for this latest group of young kids? And what kinds of things were you looking for in the data? Uh, we got a call regarding you coming over here multiple times, and it seems like they don't want to talk to you. Uh, well, now it seems that way because she, she called the police on me. Okay. You know, I think we need to recognize that COVID-19 is here to stay, uh, that vaccines are, uh, make for a safer and more reliable way to develop immunity against infection. But now it's very clear that she's actively avoiding the question of whether she wants to see the Israeli data that shows the vaccines are not safe. That's pretty serious. Okay, well, it seems like she's not interested, so... How in the world could anyone, especially the top person in the world responsible for safety, not want to see the safety data that shows that the vaccines are not safe? They don't want to be confronted with even the question, do you want to see the data? They want to have plausible deniability was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market. Did we know about stopping immunization before um, it entered the market? No. Pfizer vaccine not only stops people from getting sick, but also stops them from spreading the virus to other people. One vaccine could curb virus transmission from just a single dose. They're stopping people also from transmitting the disease. And the chances are very likely that you'll not be able to transmit it to other people. Yes, it will protect you, but honestly, it's not for you. It's so you don't kill other people. It's so you don't spread it to other people. 114 million Americans, nearly half the adult population in this country, has had a vaccine shot already. 114 million of us have had it. The number of people who have died from getting the shot is zero. There are uh, about 14,000 Americans who have uh, reported deaths. Now, that's probably underreported by a factor of 100. So you take the 14,000 deaths that are reported in the virus system, you multiply it by 100, you get 1.4 million. But the deaths that happened five months later, 
and that's the bulk of them, are not going to get reported in the fair system. An elderly woman has died in what's believed to be South Australia's first case of fatal blood clotting caused by the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine. Investigation is underway tonight over whether a local man suffered blood clots as a result of getting the Pfizer vaccine. Two teachers who were at Soames Elementary School for more than 20 years and passed away suddenly this school year. Therapeutic Goods Administration is calling for calm following the deaths of two people in our state who received the COVID vaccine. Woodgrove High School student-athlete Colette Bain passed away unexpectedly after a medical emergency. A 20-year-old nursing student died of cardiac arrest one day after getting the mandatory. The 16-year-old had a cardiac arrhythmia. High school cheerleader who died suddenly. Conclusions over the death of a woman from blood clots after receiving the a COVID vaccine. A Queensland man is in intensive care tonight, suffering a blood clot after receiving his AstraZeneca tonight, vaccine. Whether a local man suffered blood clots as a result to a blockage in an artery. With medical experts confirming the death of a Central Coast woman is likely linked to the jab. I said, you're just, we're just going to have to get used to this. And he says, the shots. And I said, yeah, we're just going to have to get used to this. This is the way it is. If, you keep if people keep doing this, then this is going to keep happening. The vaccine can kill you two different ways. It can kill you in the short term. Now, there's a longer term effect. And this takes five months to kill you. And this is when your veins are basically clogged up with this uh, protein uh, material, this amyloid protein material that's not blood clots. Now, the timing of when the embalmers first started seeing these blood clots, mid-2021. So many miles on my car, you know. You know, it seems like half of my time is driving from one funeral home to another. The busiest I ever was, to be honest, was January of 2021. Now, I didn't even think about it being related to the vaccine at all at the time. Looking back, I say, no wonder they died of a heart attack or a stroke or a, some kind of a pulmonary embolism because you can't live with this stuff in you. Probably do about 160 funerals a year. So I've been waiting for a young person that died suddenly who'd also had a post-mortem and then um, the family had asked me to embalm. So there are three planets that needed to align. And uh, this poor guy of 30, it was full of it. It was hanging out of him like spaghetti. This one here came out of the aorta um, from the heart. Um, it, they take the shape of the vessels that they're growing in totally, and they gradually fill the vessels as they grow. Um, and these, obviously, they're, they're, that, that's what's killed him. Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm, I'm pulling into the funeral home here and, and uh, I've got some guys that are with me. Are you fine with me bringing them in? This is the iliac artery and this clot coming out of the iliac. 
Normally we don't see clots in the iliac, in an artery. Usually they're in veins. And I'm probably not going to be able to get it all. This is not normal. The big one came out of the vein. The small one came out of the iliac artery itself. Wow. As the months passed by, the clots became worse, and each person, um, the quantity of them was much larger, and they were getting larger. We were doing um, an injection and drainage into the common carotid artery, and we were getting fluid in and then it, all of a sudden it just stopped and we could not get any more fluid. We were not getting any drainage of any type. Oh, look at it, look at it. Oh, watch out, it's gonna spurt. That's a monster. Oh Holy God. Jesus. Come on. <laughs> I believe the only way that a, a medical doctor could see this in the body is if a, they actually went internally into the body. So this is coming out of a beating heart, all right? Look at this, tell me if it looks the same way. It's so good for you to come in today. It's good to see you. Thank you, Doc. So I'm excited to get this uh, thermal imaging scan, but before we do that, I want to learn a little bit more about your medical history. Tell me, you know, when this all started, these symptoms that you had. Early August of this year, I, um, my legs started swelling. I was getting a lot of pain from the crotch area all the way down to the ankle. They did a Doppler on it and I had several clots in my leg. Oh wow. So I was transported to the hospital and uh, they confirmed that and also that I had a clot in my lungs. So you went into the hospital, they put you on a blood thinner presumably? Yes, I got put on uh, Eliquis when I was being released and uh, Come to find out the Eliquis did not work for me. Okay. And did, did they let you know that that is extremely rare? Every doctor I saw said it was extremely rare. Which side did you get the shot in? Which arm? I think it was both. Do you think it could have been the left for both of them? Because you got two, right? Yeah, it could have been the left. Because the left arm definitely looked um, much, it had a much higher thermal signal than the right. Yeah, so we can see the left side of his face uh, has a much stronger thermal image, and then the white is also extremely hot. And this is in the area of the uh, pre- and post-auricular lymphadenopathy chain. Um, and then the tonsillar is also very well lit up, submandibular, submental. The left side was the one where he has confirmed clots. The right side here is showing um, significant issues with the vascular system. So I would recommend referring for an ultrasound of the lower extremities bilaterally to rule out any kind of new clotting or venous obstructions. Hello. Hi, Michelle. This is uh, Nick and Matthew. How are you? I'm good. So before the vaccines came out, there were one to two fetal demises every two or three months. You would see one. I finally had enough when I got this email the other day. It said that 
there was a record number of fetal demises and that there were 22 of them in one month. And in this email, it says that it's projected to increase each month. The fetal demise in mothers, gestational mothers in that 22 to 26 week period, um, I, I had a run of that in my funeral home. Um, and five of the six were vaccinated. The other had remdesivir and uh, they all lost their infants. We're just seeing a fridge full of babies, but we're not actually doing the funeral. So that's, um, that's a mystery to me as to where, where these babies are, are going. So are you saying there's more fetuses in the refrigerators now than there was prior to 2021? Yeah, I'm saying there's more fetuses now in, in, in the refrigerator than I've seen ever before. I've been doing high-risk obstetrics for 43 years. I see a vast number of patients a year. Uh, I don't know of any other maternal fetal medicine physician in this country that sees as many patients as I do by ultrasound. At one point in time this year, I was on track to see 9,000, 9,000 high-risk OB ultrasounds. So I, I know what's going on, and I've seen death and destruction like I've never seen before. The stillbirth rate is measured in terms of live births per thousand. And really, it's come down in my career from about 10 to about almost 5.8 or 6. Now, let's go to 2021 and look at the stillbirth rate for Michelle's. This is horrifying. But if you take this death figure and you look at that rate at 29.3, that's sigma that you're looking at is 40 plus sigma standard deviation. Let that sink in. This is from Waterloo, Canada. 83 stillbirths, about 4,000 deliveries. It's that exact same thing you saw with Michelle's. If that weren't bad enough, look at this. I couldn't even put it. There were 13 dead fetuses in one 24-hour period. One 24-hour period. 1,200-fold increases in menstrual abnormalities. And then when we get into pregnancy, we're looking at a substantial increase in miscarriages, in birth defects, a substantial risk of fetal cardiac arrhythmia, fetal cardiac malformations, significant fetal growth slowing, significant reduction in amniotic fluid, fetal cardiac arrest. Are you saying babies are having heart attacks in the womb? Yes. The vaccine causes a significant inflammatory effect. Three different safety monitoring systems. Again, they found no significant safety signals for the mother or for the fetus, because we have to remember in obstetrics, we're dealing with two patients. So no increased risks to be vaccinated while pregnant. Anything that causes inflammation in my business, in my area of expertise, causes damage injury, death, and destruction in pregnancy. We've known that for half a century. On March 1st, the FDA released the first round of thousands of pages of data submitted by Pfizer for review of their COVID-19 vaccine. It's the 5.3.6 post-marketing analysis of the adverse events 
in which they outlined that 83% of all pregnant women who got vaccinated ended up with a dead baby. They had 270 pregnancies. They could not account for what happened to 238 of those pregnancies. In the remaining pregnancies resulted in a dead baby. And they only had one normal outcome. And originally the documents were going to take 55 years to be released, but because of a court order, we'll get all of the documents by year's end. Thank you for the floor, Mr. President. Honorable National Assembly, in January this year, something happened that has not happened for decades. The birth rate fell by 20% compared to the same period last year. Choba Getot, researcher at the KRTK Institute of Economics, points out that this drastic decline came just nine months after the COVID mass vaccinations began in Hungary. Now, I will say, a friend of mine, she just told me this the other day, her mother had volunteered at the hospital prior to COVID. So they called her and said, hey, would you come back in and volunteer? And she volunteered obstetrics, right, babies. So she said, yeah, all right. So they retrained her and then they called her back and said, um, I guess there's no point in you coming in. We're not having any babies born. I never pass up an opportunity when I see a newborn baby. I stop and I drink it in. because my heart aches to think that seeing a newborn baby may become one of the rarest things. And, and I want to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But so many people have taken this. There's nothing as close to seeing the face of God as seeing a newborn. And you have just evil that is is destroying them. And the, and and my heart hurts for God. Like you could give people all of this. And they would use their time, energy, and talents to try and destroy it. What the last two years has taught me is taught me that there is a pure evil in this world. A pure evil that has no respect um, for any of us. Where I can tell you we are regarded um, in much the same way as livestock. We were trained that the one thing that prevented adversaries from deploying bioweapons was that in order for them to have a strategic impact, our enemy would have to have a delivery mechanism that would allow them to expose a large enough population of people in a short enough period of time before the people knew they were being attacked. Dispersion in the air would be cumbersome and ineffective given UV light, dispersion, wind patterns, and that there are generally not significantly large enough numbers of people outside concentrated in a small area. Likewise, attempting to put them in water would have limited effectiveness because of dilution, degradation from chloride, etc. But what if? What if hundreds of millions of people would willingly or under the duress of fear allow themselves to be injected with a bioweapon? What if global mass vaccination could be accomplished in a short period of time by applying relentless coercion tactics and psychological operations to demoralize people into submission. It's my professional medical opinion 
that this is a bioweapon and that this was a bioweapon unleashed against humanity with the intent to depopulate um, and control the population of the world. But basically, it's achieving its goal. If, if the goal was to reduce the world's population, it's working. This has been well planned. This is Agenda 2030. This is the Great Reset. This is what it's all about, you know. So one of the hardest things, um, knowing what I know, was, was accepting that people are going to die because they're just not going to believe it. We have to be the plan. And that means that each person in this room, viewing this broadcast, replaying this broadcast, each one of you has a purpose. Each one of you has a critical God-given role. And so if you are quiet or apathetic or complacent, you have to stand before God and you have to answer for that. I can put out a warning to all the people that are in the military right now, officers who are in, responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen with their troops. If you don't stand in the gap, you're complicit in this crime. If we, the only way we're going to save our lives is by together, clubbing together to do it. That's, that's our strength. And this is probably um, the most biblical world event that uh, anyone could ever imagine. It's World War Three. It's a spiritual war of good against evil. And I just hope that Matt, there's enough good in the world that we can rally together to defeat it. Because if we don't, these monsters will destroy humanity. Dance, baby, dance like the world is ending. Dance, baby, dance like the world is ending. Dance, baby, dance because the world is ending. Dance, baby, dance like the world is ending. Dance, baby, dance like the world is ending. Dance, baby, dance because the world is ending. Get vaccinated. It's incredibly effective, but the truth is, not enough people are getting it. We've got to change that so we can all have a safe and healthy holiday season. getting vaccines, who are believing the lies on the internet instead of science, it's time to start shaming them. If you refuse to be vaccinated, you shouldn't get the same rights as people who've been vaccinated. If you're willing to walk among us unvaccinated, you are an enemy. I 
that, that choice doesn't seem so tough to me. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo? Rest in peace, Wheezy. You're... stop putting up with the idiots in this country and just say you now it's mandatory to get vaccinated f- them f- their freedom i want my freedom to live vaccine 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 i'm begging of you please don't hesitate vaccine 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 because once you're dead then that's a bit too late <laughs> 